When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome to Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgay, Declan Goff with you as usual. Thanks for tuning in either on Score North or 1500 or, of course, our uh, weekly podcast. Uh, Declan, let's start with this one. And this is one a few weeks back that I never would have thought I would broach. But I think it's, I think it's appropriate. Might be a long shot, but it's appropriate. Uh, but considering that we talked about this wild team and how they could tank and blah, blah, blah. Entering Sunday's game, which they lost against Chicago at United Center, the Wild was an NHL pass 10-1-4 in their past 16 games. So I don't know if it's appropriate to ask you if this is a playoff team because they're close to that spot. And I believe for a couple days or a day they moved into a playoff spot a few uh, about a week back or so. But I guess more appropriately, what do you think, what do you make of this team now as opposed to what we were talking about when they got off to that terrible start? Well, what I look at it, well, how I look at it now is the young players have stepped up. We all, we all knew what the Wild had in their veteran core, and I think we also knew going into the season before things went off the rails there for the first month that they were a French playoff team. That's what we knew. That's what we thought they were going to be. Well, now the sample size is bigger than that longer skid. They've been playing well for, for the better part of the last six weeks. Everyone's elevating their play. It, I, I've been really impressed. I don't know how much uh, of that is just hockey. You know, you go you go through the waves of the motions, and sometimes you, you get hot for a while. Like, you know, we saw Buffalo for the first twelve games again this year look like the best team in hockey, and now they're horrible again. Um, I, I think what what's going to be the real test is with these injuries now piling up. What do you what happens now? Because now we're getting more significant injuries. Joel Eriksson neck is out. Kapo Kakinen gets sent back to Iowa. Devin Dubnik is uh, very close to regaining uh, his first start in net here after a, a month hiatus. So I'm, I'm confused because I think the direction of this team was trending in a very encouraging way. But now with these injuries and with the roster shuffle, what do you make of it now? So Koivu's on the current road trip, which is a three-game trip that began in Chicago on Sunday and will continue as we record this on Tuesday against uh, Vegas and then end on Thursday in Arizona. Koivu, who has a lower body, a center, on the trip, but not playing yet. Uh, Spurgeon is on the trip. I believe his injury is more like a wrist or a hand. He has not played for a few weeks now. He traveled. To your point, Dubnik, whose wife was ill, is on this trip as well and is prepared to come back and almost certainly is going to start Tuesday or Thursday night. And then you're right, Eck being out is a big deal because that geek line has been fantastic. Yeah. I'll start with where I think this team is at and what surprised me. And I'm with you. 
And I'm not really torn here because I think it's a good thing. I did not expect this group of kids to develop like this, not this quickly. I thought it would take some time. And you know what? It, in our defense, in saying that, from previous experience, Nino, Granlin, Coyle, you know, those guys never took control. How long did we think, well, if they just take control, and that doesn't mean the old guys, the older players can't contribute, but if they take control, it's going to change the dynamic completely. Correct. And they never did. And so when you see Greenway or saw Greenway and Cunning and this young group and Eck, you thought to yourself, is it going to happen or not? Right. Because clearly something stopped that group previously before they all got traded from taking control. But these guys have, in essence, sort of slid in there, done a very nice job. They're, as far as I can tell, damn good. Carson Soucy is probably one of the best stories in the National Hockey oh, League yeah. this season. Forget the wild. Yeah. The whole league. And so as much as I would like to see this team get a high draft pick, which I think would be fantastic, I'm also not going to sit here and complain about the fact that they are getting solid contributions when healthy pretty much on a nightly basis from this group of kids that, in fairness, I thought if they were going to really start contributing, it might take a little while. Right. But that group has – and to the head coach's credit, he's also played those kids in key spots. Donato now is playing – and pretty much has to, but he's playing in key spots. And the head coach is almost wisely, and I guess the G, or I would guess the GM is influencing him, is saying, okay, if you could prove yourself, you're going to play. Oh, I forgot. Fiala, goal scoring machine. He's been great. Paul Fenton, you're a genius. He was, he was Where right. Where are you? Where he are you, right. Paul Fenton? So if this was the older players trying to carry the weight and the Wild was winning games and it was sort of fluky. I, I would tell you this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. But now that I'm seeing this transition, I think it's fantastic. And and if you can build off this, not saying that this is a playoff team, but again, it emboldens what we've talked about now, which is how long is that turnaround potentially going to take? Might not take that long. Right. And we've been harping for a top draft pick, and even when they were losing in the first month of the season, I think both of us were saying, great, mm-hmm. we're trusting this process. This is going to be awesome. Um, but you can't you can't be upset with the way the team's playing. And if that means that the Wild are going to, let's say, be in the playoff picture, so they're out of the draft lottery, well, that changes the dynamic. It changes everything. And and the only way we were going to say that this team could get over a hump in the playoffs, not just get in, but get past the first-round series, is if young players took significant steps forward. And we're seeing it now. Donato, yes, out of necessity, has got a little bit. But I think you saw Boudreaux's comments last week and said he, the, the kids deserved it. He's scoring goals at an unheard of rate for minimal play. Uh, Kevin Fiala has been everything that Paul Fenton thought he would be. Game breaker, I guess we still never will know, but we do know that Kevin Fiala right now is a better hockey player than Mikhail Granlin. I don't think that's a hot take. That is a fact that he is a better player right now than Mikhail Granlin. Um, so this that's good that the young players have stepped up. It's just these these recent string of injuries, I'm curious, and what what kind of goalie goaltending do you get from Devin Dubnik, who had an abysmal start to the season? And his value, I wouldn't say is in the crapper, but it's it's pretty significantly low. And if he can turn things around, what do you do? Because I, th- I think if, if you're going into the trade deadline, I do think you can still sell and be better for it. I, I mean, I don't, it doesn't mean bail on this season. It just means you have marketable assets that you could sell that are on expiring deals or getting close to it. And you can be a better hockey team for it. Yep. And I think Dubnik is the lead candidate if he starts to turn things around. 
Ooh, I, I would be very tempted to possibly move him. And I know he's dealing with a very a family situation. Right. And that's probably the last thing he wants is, is to be moved right now. But I'm very curious as if what to happens what happens with Dubnik if his play turns around. I would say this right now. I think at this point, Billy Guerin, the wild GM, finds himself in a no-lose situation. Because if the kids continue to play well, there's no downside there. I can't sit here and be like, well, the kids shouldn't play well. Because my whole thing was, I don't care what the veterans do. I care what the kids do. That's important. If the kids don't continue to play well, and let's say we get to March, and they tire out, dog days, right? Or, I'm sorry, late February, and they tire out. Then you can move Eric Stahl. Then you can move guys. Uh, so I think now you've gone to a place that's pretty solid and pretty good. And I, I was talking to some folks at the game on Saturday night when the Wild beat the Flyers. And here's the interesting dynamic. And this is the important thing about the veteran players because we've all talked about before, there are certain guys on this team who are probably domineering and controlling and want, and want their say in things. And I was told that the veterans behind the scenes are almost relieved and happy hmm. because they're watching these kids like Eck. Eck is playing – Eck's not a star player. He's doing dirty work. His job sort of stinks at times, but he embraces it. Yes. And so it's not like he's flying up and down the ice and scoring goals. His stats are underwhelming, but he plays center responsibly, young Koivu-like, right? Yep, that's what on, said. On a key line. Mm-hmm. And so the, the veterans, I think, are looking at, at this instead of saying – instead of, I think, back in the – Nino, Charlie, Granlin days, they might have been like, hold on, that's my role, that's my job. Now they're saying, oh, hold on a second here. The weight's sort of off our shoulders. So we could still play and possibly play well, but we also can hand some of the responsibilities that used to be on us to different players. And if that's the case too, guess what? That locker room becomes a lot less contentious as well. Yes. Yeah. And that, that goes back how long that we've always talked about the wild locker room certainly had its pitfalls and could be uncomfortable. But if the veteran players now are saying, Jordan Greenway, this is great. And that's a kid I absolutely love. I love how he plays. I love when he fights. I love the fact that when, when he hits a guy or fights a guy, he laughs because it's just, he's a guy who, this is the type of player that how long have we been waiting for this locker room to have a guy like that? And so there's a lot of young players who don't necessarily do what would be considered hockey sexy things, yeah. the, the marquee stuff, but they're willing to carry the load. And and if that's the transition here, again, if you're Billy Guerin, it's no lose. Yeah, I think with the Wild in the Parise Suter era, it was we were never a they were never a frustrating team to play against. They they never got underneath your skin. Even when they, you know, they took a chance on Matt Cook and you know they they, they tried to find an agitator, but that Eck Cunnan Greenway line teams hate playing against them and I've said for years I've always wanted that either dynamic or that player on my team if I was a hockey fan because you don't you don't you lack it the AJ Pierzynski's the the Gabriel Landeskog's the guys that you hate to play against but when they're on your team it's a humongous bonus and I think that's what's so curious is that type of trend is setting an example where now uh, maybe players like Zach or Miko or Ryan are being like well you know, maybe we don't have to do too much in this locker room. Not to say that they don't have any responsibilities, because I think they do. But I think that is imperative that not only are these young kids having on-ice developments, they're frustrating other teams. And that, that to me, makes me very excited. Because that, that's, these are 22, 23-year-old kids who, in theory, are all going to be here for the next five or six years. 
So that's huge. I love that. Mm-hmm. It is uh, one player who we both love and Wild fans hate. Lanitzgog, right? Yes. He's a guy that, because I've always said, I would take that kid on my team in a heartbeat. And Wild fans are like, I hate him. I would never take him. Get no, him. you would love him. Love him. And if Eric Zanek is going around the ice and annoying guys, that's great. Now, I, I think they're going with the injury he suffered in the second period against the Flyers on Saturday. Upper body, I think it might be a concussion, which is a definite concern there. But, yeah, if this guy is going to annoy players, if these guys are going to go around and complete their checks, and because you're right, the Wild – a lot of times you felt like the Wild was just soft. And that was what drove totally. me personally crazy about Charlie Coyle. Um, Greenway, to me, does the things the Coyle would never consistently do. That's correct. And he'll get goals eventually. But to go back to what I told you a month or so ago, I'm not concerned about that. Those will come. What won't come is what Coyle did, which is for a span of, I don't know, two weeks, he would think that, oh, I'm Here just, just going to float around. Yep. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You're Charlie Coyle. You're big. You're supposed to be a power forward. I thought you were going to be Cam Neely. And instead, you're trying to play small forward in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And Greenway seemingly, I think, knows his role. And so, yeah, this, this to me is all about pieces fitting in. And there have been so many pieces through the years that the wild have not had that now you're starting to see. And, and if it, if it comes sooner than we expected, that's great. Now the key question that I have is this, if this is going to be a playoff team, if this is team is going to make the playoffs, if, if this team is going to uh, continue its trend of playing well, although they did lose on Sunday against the Blackhawks, they are nine, one and three at the X th- this year. They're on a 12 game or a 12 game point home uh, streak. And they have lost, I believe, one home game in regulation, which goes back to the opener against Pittsburgh when they were playing terrible. Yeah. Um, they are on a three-game road trip, as I mentioned before in the podcast, two games left. Declan, when this three-game trip is done, I counted this up, 18 of the next 22 at home. Wow. 18, which speaks to the craziness of their schedule, which is absolutely stupid. But it also speaks to a team that a year ago at home was a complete mess, seemingly now is pretty good or good at home, and is going to play, I believe it's through mid-February, something like four road games. Okay, so let's just let's take the 18 of 22 home games right there in that sample size. And let's and you know what? I know the Wild have won nine, one and three or whatever it is at home this season or, the, or in their last 13. But let's say— Nine, one and three, yes. You know, That's right. you got 22 games, 18 games at home. We're just going to go 18 games at home here. Well, 18 times 2, 36 points. Let's say the Wild get 28, 28 of those points. They're at 37 right now. I'm going to do on-the-fly math, so for the love of God, bear with me. That would put Minnesota, if they got 28 points in those 18 games, that would give them 64 points right now. Now, a lot of teams, you you, you know I can control what you can control, but if you get... 28 points and you win 75% or take points in 75% of those games, all factor in the overtime losses too. That's going to, that will probably put you in the playoff hunt or put you not in the playoff hunt, excuse me, in the playoff conversation as possibly one of the top three seeds in your division. So that home stretch is imperative because they've been able to get by on the road. And if they're indeed the home team that we've, typically seen i know last year was i think a bit of an outlier but typically this team has and that's what bruce said too very good team in st paul mm-hmm. if you're getting 75 percent of those points and you have a huge run here this is going to be big that that's going to that's going to pr- pretty much put you in the playoffs and then you basically would have to back out which we've seen 
back out to not make the playoffs. Right. So I, this stretch coming up is is humongous for the Wild. And it does speak to the craziness of this schedule. Yeah. The fact that you played that many road games to start with, which, by the way, as we found out, they signed off on. Yes. And then are going to come home for 18 of 22 is nuts. But, yeah, they're going to be – they are going to it, – it's funny. Right now, it looks like a team that got off to an absolutely brutal start, Declan, is going to end up being on the fringe of exactly where we talked about in training camp, which is they could be an eight seed and by – and also – if it's going to be close, <laughs> this is assuming a lot, and you're going to get in the lottery and possibly get some luck this time, which ordinarily for Minnesota sports teams does not happen, I'm taking miss the playoffs. But I also could see an upside from that this core group of young players getting a series. I think they'd be done in one round. But we're now talking about it. It's funny because as the roster is currently constructed now, I do see a lot of guys that I think could be successful here for a while. I do because the geek line for sure. Uh, Susie, who I, I mean, I saw him play at Duluth and I liked him a lot. I thought, Ooh, he, he looks like a professional type of player, but I sure as hell didn't see this. Right. Right. But you do have, you do have a core group that if you drop Kaprasov into and make a few tweaks here and there, that that group right now that's here could benefit from a playoff, at least a playoff series. So where I look at it with the lottery odds, and and I know it, it's hard to say this now, but because I've been harping on it and I have no problem backpedaling, I backpedal a lot. If if you're in the draft lottery odds, you want to be, in my opinion, the top nine. The top nine gives you about a sixteen percent chance of being in the top three okay. of of the draft odds. Sure. Once you get to ten, now it's at eleven percent. Once you get to eleven, it's at nine point eight percent. So basically, you're under ten percent chance. So either if you're the Wild, and I could have the option of the 10th or the 15th, which are the last five lottery spots, or the playoffs, I will take the playoffs. Okay. If they get really bad and they're inside the top nine, I want you to stay there. But once you get past the 10th team, Makes sense. I don't think moving up in the draft lottery odds are going to be almost insurmountable. It's not going to be possible. So I'd rather see them go to the playoff series and if, if it's a six-game, seven-game series and they lose to Colorado or St. Louis, you know, I, I think that's better exposure for the young teams, uh, young players on the team that, that can use that and take it to their advantage. So that's where I'm at. Either you be in the top nine or you're in the playoffs. So if when X back, mm-hmm. Koivu's back because he, he's got the uh, that's gonna be no-move clause. Yeah. So he's coming back, and he's going to stay here. Yep. I, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I, don't think I, I think if you went to him right now and said, can we trade you, he'd say absolutely not. Uh what would your feeling be as the deadline approaches if this is a fringe playoff team on Eric Stahl then? Because Eric Stahl has played in a very key role here. He's, a, you know, he's come back. He, he got off to that uh, brutal start. He probably shouldn't have been playing, was hurt. Since then, he's been fantastic. He's been your top center. He is a consummate professional. I would argue that he's probably the captain of this team in some ways, but he's been a consummate pro. But if you could take him to the market, and he's got some teams, I think it's five to ten teams or something like that, that he can't be traded to. But if you found a playoff suitor for him, how tempted would you be to trade him? Because that's going to be – that to me was the slam dunk guy to trade, and now at least is an interesting conversation. Very curious. Um, I think I would be inclined to trade him. And if that means the Wild are 
Like, let's say you could get a first-round pick for him. Yes. Which I think is what has been reported by some that Boston offered last year. Correct. And they signed him to an extension. I, ru- I was rubbing some elbows at the Christmas party on Saturday. Nice. And I got a scoop that, it, it, I mean, that was on the table. A first-round pick for Eric Stahl was on the table. Nice. They balked. Another wild player was also involved in that Both discussion. of us were inciting on Saturday. We were. I, 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 I didn't know Eric Stahl and an unknown wild player played a part in Stahl playing here and not going to Winnipeg. That was on the table. Okay. You could have went to Winnipeg. It got axed. I think I know who that player is. Um, and By the way, I'm told that player has scaled himself way back this year and has been a great teammate. You know, I've, and I've heard he might be— And that would be a defense player. And I've heard— Who wears number 20? I, I would, I've heard he might be inclined to be the next owner of the Wild after the current owner, too. Well, so. let's just say he has uh, agreed to scale back on yeah. his input in 2019-20. <laughs> Good for him. Thank but, you, Ryan Suter. But thank, uh, thankfully, uh, back to this year's topic with Eric Stahl, it's a hard spot to be in because, A— I, I just don't like trading away a center right now on the on the current construction of this team. Look look what look how hard it is right now with Koivu out and Eck out. Yeah, Victor Rask playing in a role he shouldn't be. You have a kid from Iowa who's up here who's going to be playing Donato. in a role he shouldn't be. Donato's the only one that really benefits from that. Um, ah, man, I I think you might have because Stahl's on a two year. It's just deal. going to be what I'm saying is it could it's be, hard. It could be a very interesting decision yeah. to be made about the current what currently is going on. And where this thing is going in a year or two. I think it really depends. It'll be it'll be a eleventh uh, hour decision again, and it'll be where the wild are in the standing. So if they're firmly in, let's just call it the top six. They're not even in, they're not even worried about being a fringe. They're like they're they're cemented. Like they're a top six team in the West right now. Sure. I don't think you can move. Them. I just I don't think you can. I agree with that. Um, if you're a, if you're a bubble, yeah, let's say you're a bubble. They're, you're a bubble? they're probably going to be the, the way that points go now, and their start was so mm-hmm. bad. Unless they go on in just an incredible run, Which, and, and I'm talking games, about they could, and I'm talking about two points every night. Yeah, I think they're going to be a bubble team because you know you got three points going out all the time to different teams. You yeah. got so it's going to be tough. But let's say that they're a bubble team because you're right. If they are firmly in this thing, then which I don't think they will be, then you can't trade them. No, you can't. So I, I think he's important. Guys love him. Yeah, he's very important, and he's a he's a tough competitor. You want him on your team. I would say he is equally as important as as if not more important than than Zach and Miko. I, I think his his style of play since he's come to Minnesota. I mean, they got him on a bargain. Um, it looked like his it looked like he was done when he he's, got traded to New York after Carolina. I think he's more important than Zach right now. Yes. He's he's a very integral part of this team. So I hard it, it'd be it's all about where they are coming up to the trade deadline. Um, if they can, if they can swing it, I'm curious. I mean, could you get a player back? What if you got a center back? Let me flip that on you. What if you got a center back, a center for a center hockey trade and a draft pick? No, screw the draft. Just pick. a center. I'm done with a the young pick. center who yeah. I like a lot. What would you do? If it's a young center I like a lot, I, I take the trade instantly. I have to. I think. I think that would be. I don't that have a would be even if they are a, a, a cemented playoff team. That'd be the one I would be curious to do. Uh, straight up hockey trade, center for center. Whether he's a young guy or another, or if it's the same guy in the same situation as Stall, maybe a veteran on an expiring contract. Yeah, I don't like that. You don't like that either. No, but if it was a young center, if it was a young center who I felt I could plug in and develop, then I would take that. Cha- I would trust Garen to take that chance because I, I I don't think we should be buying, but I do think if you're gonna do a hockey, you trade, don't want Taylor Hall. I would love Taylor Hall. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but. <laughs> I, I would I would entertain a player for a player, I think, more than I would entertain a draft pick. I really would. All right. It's Judd's hockey show. It's Judd and Declan. And I just I say that because it's been so positive so far. So people are like, what the hell are we listening to? Is this is, is this two guys in their basement with their wild jerseys on and their wild flags? No. Not no, at all. It's Judd's hockey show. Puma shirt today. 
but and we are going to we are going to as the dj says bring it down right now okay play a little slow music all right i want to talk to you about your guy matt dumba uh let's see here from our friend michael russell's story at the athletic off the blackhawks game on sunday okay matt dumba was demoted to the third defensive pair on sunday played less than 20 minutes for only the third time this season for a defenseman with a team that needs defensemen, had a team worst, and this is going to need interpretation from you, but you're, I think you're going to be impressed at how bad this sounds, team worst 37.84 Corsi 4 percentage hey. and was on the ice for three goals against. That included Brandon Sod's game-winning goal, which deflected off Dumba. He It gets worse, Dex. He has no points in 14 games since November 16th and three goals in 34 games. None since November 12th. He is a plus-minus defensive worst for Minnesota, minus 11. And this is a guy who last year before he got hurt was on pace for 31 goals and came into this year saying, my goal is to score 30 goals. Um, tell me how bad that uh, 37.84 Corsi 4 percentage is. And then give me your theory, because we've sort of we talked about Matt a lot this year, but this has gotten to a point now where I think we could legitimately say there has to be some concern. I think there is concern with him. It, just off the Corsi thing, so a 38.7 Corsi in the, in the last 16 games, that is incredibly bad. But at, at the same time, Corsi is indicative of the situation you are in. So if you're starting a ton in the defensive zone, you're going to allow a ton of defensive shots. Uh, you're going to allow a ton of shots, right? So it's hard to create offense if you're consistently starting in the defensive zone and you're consistently on your heels and a team is shooting the puck at will. Corsi, I don't, unlike, uh, let's just compare it to war in baseball. War, I think, is a pretty telling end-all, be-all statistic. I really think it is. Corsi is not. Okay. Corsi is just another metric, another stat that we that people like to use to try to measure possession rate because there is not a possession uh, tracking in hockey. I know we're getting closer to that, but that does not exist right now. Right. So I, I don't think the court, the Corsi is not what's concerning me with him. Uh, Cause even what's the most alarming thing I told no you? points in 16 and three goals in 33 games yeah. and zero on the power play. I it, it's, it's his course. He's always going to be bad. His course. In fact, in his career is under 50. So his entire career, he's allowed more shots than he's created. Yep. And I think that's why last season I thought, and this is now two weeks ago, that last season skewed our perception of him just because he was so electric in those 38 games and he was playing at a rate we haven't ever seen from a defenseman before. He was going to be the first defenseman in the NHL to score 30 goals in over 11 years. And he, didn't, and he, and he got hurt and it, that stopped him from happening. But I think with Dumba, the fact that his offense is no longer there, he's passing up shots, he's breaking his stick, I can definitely say he's fighting it right now and I know he's frustrated and I know Bruce thinks he's frustrated. But when you're getting demoted to the third pairing, and you're playing with Brad Hunt, who, by the way, needs to be scratched. I, what do you do with Dumba? I mean, do you honestly well, do you honestly consider scratching him? That's a great question because the next thing I was going to bring up is Spurgeon is coming back, and, and so the defensive pairings went to Suter Dumba when Spurgeon went out, but now Spurgeon's going to come back uh, come back here fairly soon, I believe. So it's going to be Spurgeon Suter, and here's your here's the conundrum now. The defensive pairing previous to Spurgeon's injury was Brodeen Dumba. Brodeen and Susie have been unbelievable. Saturday night against the Flyers, 
maybe the best players on the ice for extended periods. I think they've been the best players on the ice for the last week or so. So Susie, you're not doing anything there. And by the way, Brodine, and Brodine's not a guy, to, to go back to what we talked about last week with uh, Lou Nanny, Brodine's not a guy that you see a lot, but believe me, he's a stabilizing guy. So, yeah, I don't know what you do here. And I feel I'm really conflicted because I'm the guy who, for 2019-20, doesn't want to scratch guys. Like, Dumba, he's not a young, young player, but he's still a key player to your existence, and he should be here for a long time. So I'm not a big fan of, well, let's just try and win tonight's game and scratch Dumba. But I also could see how uh, uh, Garen and Boudreaux would be at their wits' end, right? And you're a huge Dumba guy. I love Dumba. And Dumba is is eventually, hopefully, if we're right about this, he's the Brent Burns that doesn't get away. Correct. But I don't know what you do here. Yeah, this and, is hard. And what I gave you are staggeringly uh, bad stats for a guy who's expected to produce offense from the blue line. And Luis said, uh, said this, and Russo wrote the same thing in his story off the Blackhawks game. You know, part of the thing is teams are just collapsing on Dumba and not allowing him to shoot. But there's been a lot of really good offensive defensemen who have found ways around that one. So I don't know. I just I don't want to scratch him because unless it's going to give him a jolt for one game, then it might be a good idea. But I don't want this to be a, a habit of, oh, my God, he's just not playing well and we can't play him because this guy's too important for your long term. I think in general, just looking at Matt Dumba's career and what he could really be, and I know we just called him the Brent Burns. We don't want, or we don't want to be the Brent Burns that got away. I, th- I think it's just unfair to put him in – the conversation as one of the best defensemen in the league um, just in terms of offense too. I know he's not a, a well-rounded player, but his offensive game is what makes him a impact player. I think it's unfair to put him in tier one of game changing defensemen. I think he's, I think he's tier two. I think he's right up below the Victor Hedmans of the world. You know, he, he's, he's still a really good player and he can make an impact. But I think right now he is as lost and as confused and as frustrated as he's probably ever been. I remember, I think it was the Torchetti year. It was towards the end of the season, and Torch, God bless him, I love him for it, scratched Zucker, he scratched Dumba, he scratched Vanek. He was not afraid to come in and scratch these guys. By the way, in the wild, like, had already, we're, we're on the brink of not making the playoffs, and he scratched them in game 80 of the 82-game season. And I don't know if you scratch Dumba. I, I think Bruce definitely knows how to get more out of a player than John Torchetti does, so I, I don't know if scratching him is the right move. I don't know if it's a... Long conversation at practice, as we like to hear from reporters, or a long video review. I don't know what it's going to have to take, but when you're when other teams are now collapsing in on you, Dumba has to figure out a way now to be more effective. Because if you take away his shot, and look, if I'm an opposing hockey coach, just just don't let him get the shot. Don't let him shoot on you. Don't let him. It's not like with Ovi where it's like no matter what we do, we're screwed. With Dumba, right. just just if you take away his shot, he's ineffective. Right. And now the fact he's becoming passive. Oh, that's that's not a good sign. My problem there, too, is when Dumbo was young, he did some stupid things. And I don't think on the ice the dedication was there. It wasn't. And so I always thought, well, just scratch him to wake him up because he doesn't get it. This is not that to me. Yeah, that air is done. This is not a guy who doesn't care. In fact, this is a guy who looks like he cares too much now. So it's in his head. And so if I scratch him now, it's not like I'm trying to tell him, hey, kid, quit going out and partying. That's not, I don't think that's the issue No, here. I don't think that's the issue anymore. He's a much more mature young man. And so I think he really does care now, and it's almost like he cares too much. And so it's really, it's really difficult because the team continues to play pretty damn good hockey. And this guy, who I would argue if you're going to be successful long term, Matt Dumba is really important to that. 
This is not just a nice player who you're like, okay, if I have to trade him, I'll trade him. This is a player who brings you a skill set that, if it's unleashed correctly, instrumental to a team success. Yes. Instrumental. Right. And so, yeah, this is as torn as I've been on a player. Because ordinarily with this, I see it pretty clearly, you know, personally. It's like just scratch the guy or just play the guy, you know. Fiala, he's going to screw up. But guess what he's going to do? He's going to score a bunch of goals. Mm -hmm. Donato, he shoots first. How many of your guys do that? No one. Play Donato. Yes. And yes, again, he's going to screw up and he's going to learn. And I think you can plop him down in a film room and be like, Ryan, here's what you need to do defensively. Okay, we'll work with you. But I don't think that scratching kids now like that, it's not like it was circa 1985 where it'd be like, oh, my God, I got scratched and now I'm going to play hard. Those kids now are like, okay, just show me. Dumba, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think you can – I'm not ridiculing you for it, but I don't think you can. we can even loop Dumba into the conversation of the scratching like when Donato and Fiala were scratched because even though we disagree with it, I saw the logic in it. I, I don't know, unless he does something really off the rails and things go really bad this road trip, I think it would take a lot more for him to get scratched. But right now, I, I don't know what you do to motivate him. Uh, and it's very concerning because I think going into the season when you were looking at Players that you could come to the X and watch and be excited to watch. Matt Dumble is probably on the top of your list. And now, I mean, he's just been a non-factor. And, and I, I don't know what the Wild are going to do with him. How would you, and uh, they, they sent the kid goaltender down back to Iowa yesterday on Monday. How would you reincorporate Devin Dubnik in now? Because Stalock has played, I think, really well. Yeah. he's not a, Again, he's not yeah. a great goalie, but he's played, I think, for what he's been asked to do. He's played really well. Kakinen, you know what? I think he gave up nine goals. They gave up ten goals in his past two starts. I believe there was an empty netter against Chicago, so it's right. nine goals on him. But I also thought he showed something. Yeah, the goals allowed weren't my problem with. So, if it's up to you, Declan, how do you go about getting Dumnik back in, playing him? Because at the time he he went out, this team was not playing well, and it's probably not solely because of him that they started to play well. But they definitely got some good goaltending during that time. One of those goaltenders is now gone. And to me, it's a very – if you're Boudreaux, you're in a very interesting situation of how to get Dubnik back in. Do you get him back in the majority of the time? Do you get him back in consistently? Is Staylock the one? I don't think this is a slam-dunk decision here. It's going to be very difficult. I think, I think right now, by default, Staylock should be getting – still the majority of the starts. I don't know if that's 2-2-1. Two, two, you know, I don't know if that's Daylock gets two, then Dubnik gets one. Um, but I do think you can't just throw in Dubnik and then go back to the, the the way things were in his entire career where he was your number one goalie, starting 75% of the flipping starts. Alex Daylock's already at 16 starts in the year. That's all he had last year. So, I mean, he's already he's been playing well enough, I think, to be in the conversation. And with the way the Wild have been playing the last month, six weeks or so, you you can't really mess too much with the goaltending, and, and you know what you're getting from Staylock. And I think Dubnik is hungry to get in there, and I know he probably wants to be playing hockey and get his mind kind of back on track for a little bit after two you know a very tumultuous last month or so being off the ice. Uh, but I I think with Staylock you have to ride him still a little bit more. Let Dubnik get comfortable. Um, it wouldn't shock me if let's say Dubnik's first start he goes in there and he has a shutout and he looks like Devin Dubnik. You know, I'm sure Boudreaux would be very tempted to go back to the typical rotation. But I, I think it's something to watch because Dubnik was so poor to start the season. And I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't say he was the reason the Wild got off to such a slow start because nothing was working. 
uh, for Minnesota in the first month of the season. But you have to be careful here and not fall into old tendencies with how you use Dubnik. And I think Stalock deserves to continue to play a lot. I think Stalock showed – I get it. He's not going to the All-Star game, and that's fair. But he also showed you enough on a consistent basis. And honestly, I like how he plays the game. I love the fact he can move the puck. I think that's fantastic. I think he does a lot of things that that make a lot of sense for him to continue to to play. So the one thing the, the one thing I know is that Boudreaux should not go back to what they had or did. This should not be a Dubnik, 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 Staylock. Five more Dubnik starts, Staylock. Yeah. And if things start to go south a little bit too, I think you got to consider bringing. Uh, Kekkonen back up, don't you? Yes, I think you have to. I think that the one thing that, that I don't want to lose sight of, no matter what this team is this season, is this. This still remains about the future. This still remains. This is your year, I think, to find out. And one reason why, from a business standpoint, is the fans are not coming back unless you make a playoff run. So that place is not going to be filled. I agree. So this is not a, well, the wild, and, and oh, by the way, too, whoever approved this, when you're going to play 18 of 22 at, at home now, a lot of people aren't going. Yeah, That's way too many. Yeah. Now, it's gone now from, are the Wild ever coming back to the X to, oh, we got another home game and another and another and another home game. No one's going to do that. Yeah, Louis even said on the podcast last week, that's <clears throat> that's almost as a bigger big of an issue as when you're starting so many games on the road because now instead of just doing a three-game homestand and you're a marketing team trying to figure out how we get butts in the seats – 18 out of 22, and you're a middling team that not a lot of people have a lot of interest in? Oh, I, I don't want to be in those board meetings. I don't want to be in those sales pitches. That sounds hard. I don't want to be there. No, no, and you don't. And Louis talked about, too, from a player's perspective and a coaching perspective of now guys, now guys are at home way too much. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think that this, this year, both from a hockey and business standpoint, gives you some latitude to play with because yeah. of that. And so Kakanen played well. Give him a chance here. Bring him back up. Give I him agree. some starts. Let's see. He's got something there. All right. Hat-trick? Let's go to the hat trick of, of questions. You set you set us up. You give us the questions as once again, I gave you the chore of coming up with them because I've gotten lazy in my old age. I know you have. Uh good transition here, right from the Dubnik topic. If the wild Very wild veteran life. If the wild were to start the playoffs today, yeah. who starts game one in net? Staylock, Dubnik, or Capo? I'll let you answer first. I would start Staylock. Game one in net. I would start Staylock because I like his style. I, I Let's say they're all going to allow five, four or five goals, okay? Because I don't think one of them gets a shutout or something like that. I start Staylock. I think that his style of play and the comfort that this team seems to feel with him playing goal works. How about you? I'm going Capo. I think Capo Kakinen oh, gets take. the game Got one seat. start. Um, I know he has the le- least amount of experience, but I think – the way he's been playing and the way that he energized the locker room and gave the fans something to to watch for the first time in a long time, I think is huge. And I think Capo, just like all the other young kids on this team, would benefit from a playoff experience. Um, obviously, I don't sure like it. I don't think all three goaltenders are on the playoff roster, but we have seen some wacky things happen in net uh, it, for for the goal for the Wild. Dubnik I mean, might be moved. By yeah, them, and Dubnik could point. be moved. There's a lot of layers I think that go into it. And even if we're just looking at, I mean, how many goaltenders have the Wild thrown out there in playoff starts in the last ten years? You know, in their entire franchise. You know, Roly, Roly, and Manny, Fernandez, and Brzgalov, and Kemper, and Backstrom, and Dubnik. 
uh, Darcy Kemper, for God's sakes. Kemp's. I mean, they have probably as many playoff wins as a franchise, and they have goalie starts. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the goalie starts trumps the playoff wins. I wouldn't be but shocked at all. So I think Capo, and I think Capo would be awesome in net. Did Get you that say Josh Harding? I did not mention he Josh He started Harding. the goal at the uh, Blackhawks game when Backy got hurt in warm-ups. warm-ups yeah. So I, I think there's more. Yeah, there, right. there has to be more goaltenders started. I don't think Theodore was a. I don't think the Wild made the roster when Theodore had his last cup of coffee here. But but yes, it, it goes it goes goes real real deep. Uh, second question: Is it time to scratch Brad Hunt? Been a non-factor for the last month. Seventeen games, no goals. Really not getting a ton of power play time either. He was a great story to start the year, and I think a nice little trade that Paul Fenton made at the end of the year last year on a on a very talented Vegas team. He was buried there, but now. I think the honeymoon's over. I think it's time you scratch Brad Hunt. It's not even difficult, right? I don't think it's hard. I really don't. This don't, is, not, this is a, not a hot take. No. Th- this is not a, I'm tearing my hair out. What am I going to do? I think you do scratch him. I think you still play him. I think you hope he gets a little bit hot on the power play and scores a couple goals, and you trade him. He's a power play specialist. But, yeah, you know, I I saw him a couple. Was Which home game was it in the recent uh, three-game homestand? Where he lost the puck around center ice, and oh, yeah. the guy picked it up and went in and scored. Was that against the Flyers on Saturday? The two on one. Anyway, long story short, it's not even difficult for me. Once Spurgeon's back, the dumb conversation very difficult for me. Don't know what to do there. Brad Hunt, unequivocally, scratch him. I think this is why when I was. And by to- the way, he's a great guy. Great guy. That doesn't take away. I'm a great guy. You'd still scratch Actually, me. Actually, you're not. You're not nearly as good a guy as Brad Hunt is. Probably not. And nor am I. No, you, no you're not. You're definitely not. Uh, but with Hunt, I think um, it was a nice story to start the year. And even when I was looking at players you'd build around for the future, I said, I can't keep a 31-year-old unrestricted free agent as someone to build around long term. It doesn't make any sense. And to be honest, if we want younger kids to play, I will, if we're looking at a third pairing, I want Minnell and Sealer. You know, I, I think Nick Sealer's gotten the – I mean, is he really not that good? Because, I think he's done nothing wrong with Carson Soucy's just that good. Yeah. But, yeah, they don't – it's pretty don't, clear that Boots does not like Sealer that do, much. I don't think he does. Because, to your point, Manel's playing now, and I on Sunday when Dumba got demoted to the third pairing, Manel moved up to the top to work with Ryan. So I don't know what Sealer does that has rubbed Bruce wrong. And they don't send him down. He remains up in the press box eating popcorn during games. But that's a weird one. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I think Sealer's size would be a nice advantage, but something doesn't click there. And when, once Spurgeon gets back, man, we're going to have a conundrum. Brad Hunt, though, yes. Scratch him. Healthy scratch. Uh, all right, Taylor Hall gets traded to Arizona. I believe they got, man, they got a Hall, uh, pun intended. God dang it. Um, I think they got a couple first-round picks. I know they got a player back in return. I mean, New Jersey's going to have enough draft. And, and, by the way, they're not even to the trade deadline yet where they could sell two more. Conditional first-round pick yeah. for next year. I think it's top three protected. I think New Jersey could have potentially four first-round picks in next year's draft, two of them inside the lottery, probably in the top ten. Uh, but that being said, what would you have given up to get Taylor Hall? From the wild? From the wild. Oh, well, first of all, first of all, I'll play along, but I wouldn't have. Like, I have no—that's not going to help me. Yep. Uh, but if I had to make a trade for Taylor Hall, I think what the Coyotes gave up is probably the minimum, right? That's probably yeah. – it's an it's a big haul. <laughs> and I also saw the terrible headline. Hall and Yotes. On, yes, online yesterday, Hall and Yotes, which was awful. But um, if I was the Wild, I would have probably had to – well, I would have had to give up my – if I've got it, I think I do. My first-round pick for 2020 and 21, probably a couple first-round picks. 
in the Wilds case and uh, what player would I have given up? What player would they have wanted back from me? They probably would have wanted Fiala back from me. The, the package, and I'm not saying I would do this, okay? The package probably would have looked something like this. First-round pick, second-round pick, Fiala. I'm guessing they, wanted, they would have wanted a Fiala-type talent. And probably would they have wanted a uh, young defenseman from me? Would they have wanted a, another forward from me? I'll start off with those three things, though. First, second, Fiala for sure. I would say a first. I would say Jason Zucker because it would give him something to build around. And I would and I would give up Jordan Greenway. I don't know if that's still enough for a first. So you, a would, Zucker, do the, a Jordan but you Greenway. would do the trade. I would do I'm it. I'm saying I wouldn't do the trade, but here's what I think they would have probably uh, I, I would do that if, if, if New Jersey would be willing to take that. I still think I, even even the, me saying that out loud. Hall's not a young man. Hall's not, and he's, and he's a rental. Yeah, I'm not he's doing, afraid. I can't do that. I think I would. That starts with him saying, I will sign with you, which he's not willing to do. I think I would go Greenway, no. Zucker, and a first round pick for Taylor Hall. I think you're crazy. I would. I would do it in a heartbeat. On the rental basis and without him guaranteeing you that he'd sign? Yeah, I would do it. Wow. I would do it. I would do it. I think, I think there's been enough young players to step up, and Greenway is probably the one of the more marketable ones. Love a so Greenway. I, give, I, I, I do too. I don't well, think you, you know I, what? He's not Taylor you, Hall. Well, he's not, but boy. I would give it up. I wouldn't have done that. I know. Good I think thing, I would have wanted Fiala. Good thing I, uh, my application was dismissed the moment they had the uh, GM I think you're crazy on that one, That's dude. crazy for me. I think you're crazy on that one. It's our hat trick of questions. Okay. Let's uh, talk about this. Sad news that came out Saturday, actually right before the Flyers and Wild faced off. Doug Woog, legendary hockey coach, uh, obviously South St. Paul, the Gophers, a player, an All-America with the Gophers in the 70s before that, Declan, passed away at the age of uh, 75. What I love about the Wooger is this. Everybody I saw, you've got one. They were tweeted left and right. And this this speaks to his character. Everybody has a Wooger story. Yeah. Tell yours. It, it's great. But but this is seriously, think about how, how many people pass and everybody in town has a, has a story. But them. And their own story. Not right. just like, oh, I heard this from a guy. Everybody has a first hand or a relative met the Wooger. Yeah. I think this speaks volumes about Doug. I think, you know, my youth is uh, Friday, Saturday nights with Red Savoy Pizza watching go for hockey in the basement with my dad and brother and my uncles. That's That was part of our youth growing up, or my, my youth growing up, and the Wooger was part of that, man. Wooger was awesome. Um, but the story that my uh, my dad had with him, so it was the late 90s, and it was in Mankato towards the or- early years of the Verizon, or they haven't been in the Verizon Center yet. I'm not even sure if Mankato was still there yet. Early years when, with Mankato and the WCHA. Sure. Uh, it was a Friday-Saturday series, Friday-Cato, Saturday at the U. Mm-hmm. And my dad and uncle went down to the Friday night game at Mankato, and the Gophers lost. I, I think it got kind of blown out. And they're back at the hotel bar drinking beers um, in the hotel lobby. And then the bar closes. And my dad just kind of says to himself, uh, well, at least we got another case of beer uh, back in the room. And then with a guy who's reading the paper in, in his chair, all of a sudden the, the other chair flips over. You guys got beer? <laughs> and he said, and they said, oh, yeah, we do. And it was the Wooger. They obviously recognized him immediately. He goes, hey, I'm in room uh, you know, 315. Why don't you guys bring that case of beer around? So then till 4 in the morning, my dad and my uncle are knocking back beers with the Wooger, and I'm sure some other go for um, Fox Sports North, Fox Sports Television anchors. Sure. Uh, towards the end of the night, though, my Wooger asked candidly to my dad, you know, what do you think happened this weekend, boy? You know, or happened tonight, boys? You know, why do you think the Gophers weren't able to match Mankato? And my dad said, well... You know what, Wooger? I, I think the other boys were just a little bit bigger and a little bit faster. And the night ended, 
My dad goes back home. They didn't even make it to the Saturday game at Mariucci because they had too many beers at the Wilger. But they're watching it on TV in their own separate homes. And at the end of the post game, the, the Gophers got swept. So they lose a Saturday game too. And on live TV, I'm pre- I don't know if it was Frank that asked him. I don't know if Frank was doing play-by-play then. It could have been Doug McLeod too. Whoever the no, play- it was probably Frank. It was probably Frank, yeah. right? Mazako asks Wooger, yeah. what happened this weekend, Wooger? You know, the Gophers lose to a lowly Mankato team? <laughs> well, you know what, Frank? I think the other boys were just a little bit bigger and a uh, little bit yes! faster. And it just, like, was a eureka. I mean, my, my dad, so in my hungover state, gets an immediate call from my uncle. Did you hear what the Wooger just said? So he, he took a line from a drunken St. Paul man in Mankato, what happened, and used it to his own advantage. But you're right. That's... That's the Wooger. How awesome Everyone, is that? It was a, it's a great story. About, this guy's a legendary coach, and yes. everybody's got a story. Everyone has a story about the Wooger. I mean, I, I, really, real sad passing. I, I, we're all going to miss the Wooger, man. He was, he was go for hockey. I think he embodied it to a T. So the uh, obit that Patrick Royce did in the Star Tribune for Sunday's paper had the great lead, which was the Wooger, coach of the Gophers. And keep in mind, great success. Didn't win a national title, right, Dex? So everybody was always like, you can't win a national title. And I was there in 89 on the night when Scarta hit the damn pipe against Harvard in overtime, which would have won him a national title. But the lead to Royce's obit was fantastic because it, it said the Wooger never took his name out of the phone book. So if you wanted to call the Wooger and say, Doug, what's going on? You guys haven't won a national title. You could get out your white pages, look up Doug Woog, South St. Paul. He never took his name out. That's awesome. He loved people. He loved to talk. And he would talk to anybody. Yes, he would. But he's just a great guy. And and unfortunately now, sports lack characters like him. Oh, yeah. And it's so corporate now. And I, I think that there are characters there. But they don't want to be characters now. You know, sports are so corporate. And so Doug was one of the last, embraced it. He loved it. Went from the coaching job to the TV job. Was fantastic. Was always funny. One-liners constantly. Oh, yeah. So, yes. 75 years old, Doug Woog will definitely be missed 14 years a coach of the Gopher hockey program. And just last thing there, too. For you youngsters, Doug Woog was coach of the Gopher hockey program when it was everything. Like, I can't articulate enough now. We talk about how sad Mariucci is now that it's not full. And Motsko, I think, does a fine job, and I like Bob. But he's in charge of a program that is essentially a shell of what the Wooger ran. Yeah. And that's not Bob's fault, and it's not Lucia's fault. It's circumstances. Correct. But Doug Woog ran a program, to your point, Fridays and Saturdays were reserved for go for hockey. It really was. It's amazing. And once the North Stars left, it was it really. It was it. Yes. That was it. it. I mean, exactly. I, I couldn't imagine what would that have been like if you lost your North Stars. And yeah, go for hockey was it. And and uh, to be to be back there, that'd be sweet. All right. We are done. Uh, don't forget, we also do the uh, Jets Hockey Show one-timers that we'll be doing later this week as we discuss the Wilds road trip. And they'll be returning home on Saturday against Winnipeg. Uh, thanks for listening. Judd's Hockey Show, Score North on 1500, and various other outlets. We will talk to you later. Pass, shoot, score. He knows he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test, unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.